Hello, and welcome to Words on Film, the spoken word podcast dedicated to moving pictures. I'm Dan Burke, your host and movie critic, and I'm here to tell you exactly what I think of some of the latest movies out right now. Today is a special edition of Words on Film. It's not my usual movie reviews. I'll probably get back to those next week, but I'm doing this special Words on Film because the Oscar nominations and the nominations for the Golden Raspberry Awards have both come out. And I usually do the Oscar nominations as a bit of an obligation or a bit of my own obligation. And I do the Golden Raspberry Awards, i.e. the Razzies, for fun. But either way, I have a great time talking about these award shows. And I know some people have asked me why I do the Oscar nominations and not the Golden Globe nominations or the SAG Awards or anything like that. And the primary reason I don't is because I usually take the last two weeks of the calendar year off. And when not only am I not able to reflect on the Golden Globes, for example, their nominations, but also seeing the Golden Globe nominations because it's so early in the year kind of spoils my beginning of year show where I give the best and worst movies of any given year. And this year, in this case, it was 2022. And I don't really want to do that. So I, I, I want to give what I think are the best movies of the year, independent of what any organization like the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences or the Hollywood Foreign Press would think. So that's the primary reason I do that. And I also want to give my honest opinion about what movies are the best and what ones are the worst and have my opinion be independent of any other people's or organization's opinion. Now, I don't live in a vacuum. It's kind of impossible to do that, but I do my best. But regardless, now that I've done my best and worst films of the year, my own list, it's very interesting to see what the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, as well as the people who vote on the Golden Raspberry Awards think. So I hope you have a good time going with me over these nominations, and I know I'm going to have fun talking about them. So stay in your seats. or wherever you listen to podcasts, and I hope you get something out of this. So, we're going to start the first half of this show with the with as many categories as I can think of to get through for the Academy Awards. So, I'm going to start right off the top with Best Picture. The nominees for Best Picture, which were released on Tuesday, uh, January 24th, 2022, and I was actually watching them live on YouTube uh, as they were being announced, but the Best Picture nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. So this is actually one of the first years in several years where there are actually the maximum 10 nominees for Best Picture. And what do I think of them? What do I think is going to win? I'm going to save that for a later show before the Oscars, right before the Oscars. On um, The Oscars are on March 12th. The show I'm going to do is going to be recorded on March 11th. So 
I have to say, overall, I'm not dissatisfied with the Best Picture nominees. If anything, I probably would have taken out Top Gun Maverick and Elvis because I do think those movies um, are good in their own sort of ways. I just don't think they're great enough to be considered the best of the best of 2022. But one thing that Top Gun Maverick did that Avatar The Way of Water also did was it got butts into movie theater seats again. Top Gun Maverick was such a big hit, it's actually considered one of the top 10 highest grossing films of all time, not adjusted to inflation. It is very entertaining, I just don't think it's one of the best films of the year, and there are several reasons I have for that, I won't get into them exactly. Elvis was also, I think, very credible for its ambition, and Austin Butler was amazing as Elvis Presley, both when he was younger and both when he was older. But there were some problems I had with Elvis. One of the big problems was Tom Hanks being cast, or rather miscast, as Colonel Tom Parker. He just wasn't right for the role, and he had a really annoying accent that didn't sound Dutch to me, which was what Colonel Tom Parker actually was. It it just sounded a mess. And also... I didn't like how in one scene where Elvis is in Memphis, they incorporate, it it takes place in the late 1950s, and they incorporated rap music into that segment. I just didn't think that was necessary either. It was a good film, Elvis was, but not a great film. And also, full disclosure, as of the date of this show, I have not seen All Quiet on the Western Front, The Banshees of Inishirin, or Triangle of Sadness. All the other films I've seen... And if I were to take any film in this um, category, take them out and replace them with something else, I would probably replace Top Gun Maverick and Elvis with Till and Breaking. But that's just my opinion. But other than that, I I can't say I'm entirely disappointed by the nominees listed here for Best Picture. I I just don't exactly think some of them were the best of the best as is required or as is recommended for Best Picture, but it's not as blatant a front to put Elvis and Top Gun Maverick on this list as, for example, nominating Don't Look Up last year, or even worse, back in 2009, nominating the the movie The Longest Yard, which was a, a very, very mediocre film, but that was the first year that they had... 10 nominees for Best Picture in however many decades. But the Best Picture nominees, there they are. And I I can't exactly say what's the best of the best of these, but my guess is, since I counted everything everywhere all at once, the best film of what I saw in 2022, that's what I'm rooting for to win. But as I said, there are three of these 10 nominees that that I haven't seen yet, so I can't exactly make a judgment right there. The nominees for Best Director are Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Todd Field for Tar, Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inishirin, Ruben Ostlund for Triangle of Sadness, and Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. 
So I think this is a pretty good list. I think um, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert are probably going to win for everything, everywhere, all at once. But then again, I haven't seen either the Banshees of Inishirin or Triangle of Sadness. And chances are, if I haven't seen them, there are probably most people, at least here in the United States, who haven't seen them either. But they are movies that I'm going to eventually see when I play sort of Oscar catch-up. I, I might even copyright that term uh, for a future show, but I am going to make a point to see those films. It's probably easier to see them now than ever before, since a lot of them have been released on streaming. But in, in a later show, I'll probably tell you how you can access these films via streaming uh, a little later. But anyway, on to the best actor category, best male actor in a leading role. For this category, the nominees are Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inishirin, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Meskel for After Sun, and Bill Nighy for Living. So again, full disclosure, I told you I haven't seen The Banshees of Inishirin. Not only have I not seen After Sun or Living, I don't think either of those films have come out in theaters here in the United States. I know Living hasn't uh, until recently. And I know that um, Living is a British remake of the Akira Kurosawa film Ikiru. And it it must be really good because they remade it for the the British market. And again, I, I can't say based on the movies here that I haven't seen, which are three out of five in this category, which actor should deserve best actor. But my guess is Brendan Fraser is probably a shoe in because he won the SAG award for best actor. Whereas Austin Butler won the best actor award at the golden globes for Elvis. So it's, it's going to be one of those. And considering that more Americans have seen Elvis and the whale, as opposed to the other three films, it, it's likely one of those two are going to win. My money is on Brendan Fraser, but there, there could be an upset in this category as well. On to Best Actress, and this one is a tough one. Uh, it's also very controversial for a number of reasons, but I'll, I'll tell you why in just a moment. But here are the nominees. The nominees for Best Actress in a Leading Role are Kate Blanchett for Tar, Ana de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Now, for Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh, they definitely deserve to be in this category based on the movies that I've seen with them. And honestly, it's going to hurt either way. If there's a tie in this category and Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett both win, I'll be satisfied. But there hasn't been a tie for the best actress in a leading role category since literally the late 1960s. That's when Barbara Streisand and Katherine Hepburn both won the uh, Academy Award for Best Actress for Funny Girl and the Lions of Winter, respectively. So I'm not counting on that to happen, but if it does, I'll be satisfied. But the controversy here is that there are a couple of controversies. First of all, 
Ana de Armas probably played Norma Jean Mortensen slash Marilyn Monroe very well in Blonde. She sir, I didn't see all of the movie Blonde, but of the clips I saw, Ana de Armas was a shoe in to play Marilyn Monroe, both as her glamorous self and as her true self in the movie Blonde. I haven't gotten around to seeing that yet, but that's another film in which I'll play Oscar catch-up. I have seen The Fablemans, although I haven't reviewed it on the show yet, but Michelle Williams in that film was very good, don't get me wrong, but I would have considered her a supporting actress as opposed to a leading actress. Either way, I'm not too upset by that, but I am upset with Andrea Riseborough nominated for Two Leslie, and I am not the only one. Apparently... Andrea Riseborough is kind of the dark horse in this category because she was controversially nominated. And the reason her nomination is so controversial is because allegedly, and the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences are still trying to figure this out, but allegedly there were there there was a grassroots campaign to email or send messages to members of the Academy to vote for Andrea Riseborough for this category. And the Academy explicitly prohibits that kind of campaigning from happening before the nominations come out. And that's really interesting. But I would have thought that Viola Davis in The Woman King or Daniel De- Danielle Deadweiler in Till probably should have been nominated instead, especially Danielle Deadweiler. And it's, it's really a shame because Till was an excellent film. It was one of my top five favorite films of the year. And I said that Danielle Deadweiler should definitely be nominated for best actress. And it does piss me off that she actually wasn't, but the nomination for Andrea Riseborough could be revoked. But again, I'm not guaranteeing that that's going to happen. I'm just saying that it could. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke, and I'm continuing my revelation of the Oscar nominations for this year, 2023, celebrating the best movies of 2022. So I've already given you the categories for best picture, best director, best actor in a leading role, and best actress in a leading role. Now it's time for me to get into best supporting actor. For this category, the nominees are... Brendan Gleeson for The Banshees of Inishirin, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, Barry Kehogan for The Banshees of Inishirin, and I may have mispronounced that last name, forgive me for that, and Kei Hui Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. So, full disclosure, there are four movies that are nominated in this category out of five, and... Two out of the four movies I haven't seen, Causeway and The Banshees of Inishirin. I do remember when The Banshees of Inishirin came out in theaters. I don't actually remember when Causeway came out in theaters, but I have seen Brian Tyree Henry in many films. And even the films in which, in, in which the film, excuse me, 
even films I've seen him in that were bad, like for example, the Eternals, I liked Brian Tyree Henry. So it is good to see him nominated, even though I don't exactly know if he is a shoe in for winning. I my money is probably going to be on Kehi uh Kehui Kwan, who's been acting since he was a child. In fact, he's best known for having acted in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and The Goonies. And for him to make a comeback at such an older age and in such a great movie as every everything everywhere all at once is a revelation. But I also really like Judd Hirsch in the Fablemans, even though Judd Hirsch was only in that film for about five minutes. I liked him so much. I wanted him to come back, but I'm not going to reveal to you what I think is going to win, what will win, what should win, because I have some movie watching to do. And so do you if you choose. But honestly, I have a lot of movie watching to do. So on to Best Supporting Actress. The nominees are Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chao for The Whale, Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inishirin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Hsu also for Everything Everywhere All at Once. So of these films, I've seen four out of five, which is better. The Banshees of Inishirin is going to be number one on my list, and it's probably going to be a movie that I'm going to review for you next week if you heard me knocking on wood. And I'm actually knocking on actual wood, so hopefully that means that I'm going to have more time to see The Banshees of Inishirin. But it's definitely on the top of my list. So... I really loved Hung Chow in The Whale. I appreciated Stephanie Hsu and Everything Everywhere All at Once, but I loved Jamie Lee Curtis in that movie. And it's also worth noting that this is the very first time that Jamie Lee Curtis has ever been nominated for an Oscar. She's been in some Oscar-nominated and Oscar-winning films before, like A Fish Called Wanda. She wasn't nominated for that film, but Kevin Kline, who co-starred in the film with her, not only was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for A Fish Called Wanda, he also won. So my my, uh, preference is on Jamie Lee Curtis for her role in Everything Everywhere All at Once because she was great in that movie. But you've got some great nominees here all all the way. But again, I'm not going to predict until the show on March 11th. So moving on. On to the category of Best Original Screenplay. The nominees are The Banshees of Inishirin, written by Martin McDonough, Everything Everywhere All at Once, written by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, who are also nominated for Best Director, The Fablemans, written by Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner, the former of whom was nominated for Best Director, the latter of whom was not, Ta- uh, Tar, directed, uh, written by Todd Field, who also directed and was nominated, and finally, Triangle of Sadness, direct, uh, written by and directed by Ruben Ostland. So that's crazy how you have um, all five nominees. Um, I, I forgot to mention that Martin McDonough was also nominated for Best Director, but all of them were the directors writing the screenplays. That's got to be a first in Academy Award history. At least I'm speculating, but I'm going to have to do my research on that. But on to Best Adapted Screenplay. The nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, screenplay written by Edward Berger, Leslie Patterson, and Ian Stokel, based on the novel by Eric Maria Remark. Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, 
written by Ryan Johnson, based on characters created by Johnson and the film's Knives Out. Living, written by Kazuo Ishiguro, which was based on the original motion picture screenplay Ikiru by Akira Kurosawa, Shinobi Hashimoto, and Hideo Oguni. Top Gun Maverick, screenplay by Aaron Kruger, Eric Warren Singer, and Christopher McQuarrie. Story by Peter Craig and Justin Marks, based on the film Top Gun, written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. And as I take another deep breath, Women Talking, the final nominee, written by Sarah Polly, who also directed the movie, based on the novel by Miriam Toes. So... I do have a problem with best adapted screenplay. The, the two nominees, um, Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery and Top Gun Maverick, because even though they're based on characters created for an earlier film, I don't think that should qualify them for a, uh, the best adapted screenplay because it's technically not adapted. You're not remaking or making a book uh, or a, a graphic novel into a movie. I think those would be qualifications rather than making a sequel. But that's just my take on it. Glass Glass Onions, A Knives Out Mystery, and Top Gun Maverick are certainly not the first sequels, but I do feel like there could have been other films that were nominated in that category as well. So now on to the next category, which is Best Animated Feature Film, which the Academy has had as a category for now 20 years, and there are five films to be nominated in this category. The nominees are Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. And I'm finally going to say this, and I've waited so long to say this as as I've been going down the categories, I actually have seen all five of these movies, and... They all deserve to be nominated in this category. I guess technically Marcel the Shell with Shoes On is not a film that is completely 100% animated, but it's good enough. I'll give it a pass. I am a bit disappointed that Apollo 10 and a half, a, a space age childhood, wasn't nominated in this category because that was actually my favorite animated film of 2022. But with that said... Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio and Turning Red were among not only the best animated films on my list, but the best films of 2022 period. And I also really liked uh, the other three nominees as well. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish was much, much better than I expected it to be and worlds away better than the original Puss in Boots. So I'm not entirely disappointed by these choices. There are better choice than other nominees for best animated feature like when they nominated boss baby back in 2018 that was just a bad move because that wasn't a great animated movie but these five deserve it i just wish there was room for apollo 10 and a half as well now on to best international feature film the nominees are all quiet on the western front argentina 1985 close eo and The Quiet Girl. So full disclosure, I haven't seen any of these movies. I know that All Quiet on the Western Front is now available on Netflix. I just haven't seen it in its entirety. In fact, it was a Netflix original film. And actually, I prefer to see that on the big screen, not my TV screen. That's just a personal preference. 
EO has actually just come out in my local art house theater, which in my case being in Nashville, Tennessee is the Belcourt theater, which is hands down my favorite theater here. So I will eventually see that film as well, but I can't determine what the best international feature film will be. And even if I could, I'm usually wrong in that category. Is there another film that could have been in that uh, category as well? Not one that I can think of right off the top of my head. So it's, it's a good set of nominees as far as I'm concerned. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And now that I've reviewed all the the Oscar nominees, or at least the major ones, I'm going to get into the Golden Raspberry Award nominations right now. And there are other um, categories in the Oscars that I didn't cover, but that is actually going to be for a later show. I could give you my opinion about best documentary feature, but I haven't, I've only seen one of the nominees, so I can't make a very weighted opinion on that. I also have the best documentary short subject, best live action short film and best animated short film. But truth is I haven't seen any of them or at least very few of them. I may have seen one of the best animated short films, but I honestly don't remember. But once my independent theater, which in my case is Belcourt, comes out with the short subjects in all three categories and I can watch them on the big screen, then I'll be more able to make a judgment. But until then, I can't. So now it's on to the Golden Raspberry Awards. This is a lot of fun to go through. Uh, just the the nominations that are uh, the nominees that are in this category. So just like when I w- went into the Oscar nominations and I started with Best Picture, I'm now going to go into the Golden Raspberry Awards for Worst Picture. And in this category, the nominees are Disney's Pinocchio, the live-action animation hybrid directed by Robert Zemeckis, Blonde, Good Morning, Morbius, and The King's Daughter. So full disclosure, I have seen three out of these five nominees. I've heard of four of the five, but I have not actually heard of this film Good Morning. And apparently Good Morning is a film that is a stoner comedy, and it stars Machine Gun Kelly with a supporting performance by Pete Davidson. So I can't make many judgments about Machine Gun Kelly He looks like a guy I probably wouldn't like, but I'm not too familiar with his music, so I can't exactly say whether I like him or I hate him, but Good Morning is a film that was released in 2022. It came out in theaters on May 20th, at least that I can recall. It has an astonishing 0% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but Rotten Tomatoes doesn't exactly exactly tell you too much. But apparently I'm not the only one who hasn't seen this movie because in the United States and Canada combined, the film has earned $16,010. Yeah, 
It hasn't even earned a million dollars. Far from it. So apparently I'm not the only one who hasn't seen this movie, but now that it's been nominated paradoxically, I'm interested in seeing it now because I can always learn from bad movies, you know, regardless, they don't necessarily feel like a waste of time for me, but then again, don't push it. (laughs) But the King's daughter is a movie. I remember vaguely coming out in theaters in January or February, 2022, when usually a lot of the worst films of the year come out. I remember Pierce Brosnan and, uh, Kaya Scoldelario were in it, but I didn't see it. I didn't really seem like it was worth my time. So I can't exactly make a judgment as to whether it was truly one of the worst films of the year, but, um, I take the Razzie's word for it because they usually choose what's really the worst films of the year and their track record has been pretty good. But anyway, now that's worst picture onto worst Remake slash ripoff slash sequel. The nominees in this category, which somewhat coincide with the worst picture of the years, include Blonde, both 365 Days sequels, which were 365 Days This Day and the next 365 Days, and the Razzie, um, the Golden Raspberry Awards called this a Razzie Bogo. In other words, buy one, get one free. So we'll take it. So that's one category, uh, one nomination for two movies, which nothing wrong with that. Um, the other nominees in this category are Disney's Pinocchio, Firestarter, and Jurassic World Dominion. So for this category, it actually is astonishing that Blonde is in this category because that's not a remake or a ripoff of any movie that I can tell, and it's certainly not a sequel. So I don't really know why Blonde was put into this category. I know that Blonde is a very controversial movie, and no one has had a problem so far with Ana de Armas nominated for Best Actress, but a lot of people have had problems with other parts of the movie, but I can't say for sure because I haven't seen the film. And the reason I haven't seen the film is because it's three hours long, and I just do not have the time, or I have not had the time, to sit in front of the TV and watch this film on Netflix for three hours. I just don't have the time. But Disney's Pinocchio is a film I didn't think was that bad, but a lot of people hated it. Jurassic World Dominion, I also thought people were way too hard on that film. There were some very good things about the film, but I think what annoyed people the most was that it was retread of the Jurassic World movie and the Jurassic Park film, but it was retread without any real payoff. But... I liked it because it did introduce some very cool characters that I thought would have been good in their own spinoffs of Jurassic Park or or Jurassic World. But I don't think Jurassic World Dominion will lose or rather win this category. But in any event, on to worst screenplay. Again, some intersection in these. The nominees are Blonde, Disney's Pinocchio, Good Morning, Jurassic World Dominion, and Morbius. So again, I haven't seen Good Morning. I think that people are being a little too hard on Disney's Pinocchio and Jurassic World Dominion. Um, Haven't seen Blonde in its entirety. I think Morbius is probably going to win this one because Morbius, I actually think, could have been considered a ripoff because I had said several times in my review, both in my actual review of the movie and also my list of worst films of the year, that Morbius 
was a ripoff of the 2008 movie, The Incredible Hulk. And it, it definitely had the same sort of themes and it also had the same kind of payoff. But I don't know. I, I don't choose these nominees. I only read them off. So on to the final category I'll take before the break, which is worst screen couple. The nominees for this category are Colson, Machine Gun Kelly Baker, and Modson for Good Morning. Both real-life characters in the fallacious White House bedroom scene in Blonde, which I'm guessing never happened. Tom Hanks and his laden his latex-laden face and ludicrous accent with exclamation point in Elvis. Andrew Dominic and his issues with women in Blonde. And the two 365-day sequels. So I said before that Elvis should not have been nominated for Best Picture solely because, primarily because, I should say, Tom Hanks was grossly miscast as Colonel Tom Parker. And apparently I'm not the only one who thinks that because Tom Hanks was not nominated for any category in the Oscars this year. And I think... Probably deservedly so. Of course, I love Tom Hanks as much as the next guy, but this year he was particularly miscast in both Elvis and Disney's Pinocchio. I think they should have gotten a real Italian person to play Geppetto, but we'll hear about Tom Hanks a little bit later on in my running down the nominees for the Golden Raspberry Awards for this year, 2023. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And right now I'm giving you my list of the worst movies of 2022 according to the Golden Raspberry Awards Committee, i.e. I'm giving you the nominations for the worst uh, movies of the year according to that committee. So now I'm going to go on to worst director. For this category, the nominees are Judd Apatow for The Bubble, Colson, Machine Gun Kelly Baker, and Modson for Good Morning, Andrew Dominic for Blonde, Daniel Espinosa for Morbius, and Robert Zemeckis for Pinocchio. So of this category, it would seem to me like either Colson, Machine Gun Kelly Baker, and Modson would be nominated for Good Morning or or rather would win for Good Morning, or Daniel Espinosa would win for Morbius. I can't exactly make the same call for Andrew Dominic for the movie Blonde, because. but one of the things that's riding against Andrew Dominic quote-unquote winning for this category is the fact that 
He did actually direct Ana de Armas to an Academy Award-nominated performance, of which nobody seems to have any complaints, including the Golden Raspberry Award Committee. And I'll explain a little bit later. Robert Zemeckis, on the other hand, maybe Disney's Pinocchio wasn't the best film that he directed. Maybe it's one of his worst, but I don't think it is his very worst film. I've seen much worse from Zemeckis, but considering that Robert Zemeckis has directed some of the greatest films of all time, including but not limited to all three Back to the Future movies, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and Forrest Gump, I feel like he should get a pass just on Pinocchio, in addition to the fact that he didn't carbon copy Disney's Pinocchio, the original 1940 film, frame for frame. I give him credit for that. I do not give the same credit to John Favreau for having directed the live-action, semi-live-action version of The Lion King. That was a carbon copy of the original. That was inexcusable. And I think they should have done many things differently with the live-action version of The Lion King. But it would seem to me that Morbius or Good Morning would win in this category. Primarily because, and I I say good morning because I haven't seen the film yet, but I can already imagine that Machine Gun Kelly has not directed a film prior to this, and good morning bombed hard. So, even though I I don't want to rip on first-time directors, I don't know. The the fact that it it got nominated in all these categories doesn't look good for for this directing duo, and it's unlikely they will direct another film Again, but I don't know. Moving on to worst actress in a leading role. For this category, the nominees are Alicia Silverstone for The Requin, Bryce Dallas Howard for Jurassic World Dominion, Ryan Kiera Armstrong for Firestarter, Diane Keaton for Mac and Rita, and Kaya Scodelario for The King's Daughter. So, truth be told... I've seen three out of these five uh, films, and it is very telling that Ana de Armas was not nominated for Blonde. And there have been years where the Golden Raspberry Awards have nominated um, somebody in an acting category who was also nominated for an Oscar. It happened a couple of years ago when Glenn Close was nominated for both Best Supporting Actress at the Academy Awards and Worst Supporting Actress at the Golden Raspberry Awards for the same movie, uh, Hillbilly Elegy. And I think the latter nomination was not deserved. As for this, I didn't think Bryce Dallas Howard was that bad in Jurassic World Dominion. I think the Golden Raspberry is being a little too hard on her. Diane Keaton did, I think, what she could with Mac and Rita. Maybe she wasn't the most convincing as somebody in their 20s who wakes up and finds themselves in their 70s, but somebody else could have done it so much worse. And Mac and Rita was a bad film, but I didn't think it was a terrible film. As for Ryan Kiera Armstrong, the, the movie Firestarter was bad. I don't think she was necessarily bad in it, but... Who's going to win this category? I really don't know because I haven't seen all five of those movies. So I really can't say. But on to worst actor in a leading category. For this category, the nominees are Colson Machine Gun Kelly Baker for Good Morning, Jared Leto for Morbius, Pete Davidson for Marmaduke, Sylvester Stallone for Samaritan, 
and Tom Hanks for Disney's Pinocchio. So I said before that Tom Hanks was miscast in two major movies this year. One was Elvis, and the other one was Pinocchio. And I stand by that. And particularly because they should have hired somebody who was actually Italian or of Italian descent to play Geppetto. And Tom Hanks tried to put on an Italian accent in that movie. And I think he actually should have been nominated for worst screen pairing also for Disney's Pinocchio in addition to Elvis. But then again, he had that really bad fat old man makeup in Elvis. So I I could probably forgive the golden raspberry awards for, for neglecting his nomination in Pinocchio. Maybe they could have nominated him in this, that category for Tom Hanks and that giant mustache. But regardless, as for Sylvester Stallone, I haven't seen Samaritan, so I can't make that judgment. Marmaduke is a film that I did see. And I actually regret not putting that in my worst category because yeah, it was a bad movie, but it was so bad. I actually forgot that I saw it. But yeah, Pete Davidson was a really bad choice to play the voice of that dog. Owen Wilson, who played the voice of Marmaduke in the live-action animation hybrid, was a better choice regardless of whether or not you hated that Marmaduke movie from 2011. And I can't say that I hated it because I haven't seen it, but some of the clips of the movie were kind of flat-out ridiculous. But the Marmaduke animated movie was also really bad. But I think, I think that Jared Leto was going to win for Morbius because I hated Jared Leto in Morbius and I'm not the only one. Um, But anyway, moving on to the next category in the Golden Raspberry Awards, Worst Supporting Actress. For uh, For this category, the nominations, the movies are Adria Arjona for Morbius, Lorraine Brackow for Pinocchio, Penelope Cruz for The 355, Bing Bing Fan for The 355 and The King's Daughter, and Mira Sorvino for Lamborghini, The Man Behind the Legend. Of these movies, only two of them I've actually seen. So, obviously Pinocchio. And Lorraine Bracow was the voice of a seagull in uh, Pinocchio, and they didn't even need to have a voice for that uh, character. And if they did, it should have been somebody Italian, I suppose. And Lorraine Bracco is of Italian descent, obviously, but I, I, w- I wouldn't have ripped on her for her performance in this movie. Adria Arjona, I, I guess her being in the movie Morbius, uh, yeah, Morbius, I, I think she was more forgettable than bad. But I can't make any judgment about the 355 because I haven't seen that film. I know that movie starred Jessica Chastain, Penelope Cruz, Lupita Nyong'o, and several other um, established actresses. But I know it bombed. I know it got bad reviews. But I can't make a judgment call on it because I haven't seen it. And as for Lamborghini, the man behind the legend, I have not heard of that movie, let alone seen it either. So I can't make a judgment call there either. But now on to the category of Worst Supporting Actor. The nominees for this category are Pete Davidson for Good Morning, Tom Hanks for Elvis, Xavier Samuel for Blonde, Maud's son in Good Morning, and finally Evan Williams for Blonde. So of these uh, categories, I would probably say that Tom Hanks is probably going to quote-unquote win for... Elvis, because 
as I said before, as I've said several times in the segment, he was miscast. He did look ridiculous in that old man, heavy set makeup, and his accent was absolutely atrocious. But Pete Davidson might be a dark horse cat, um, cat, um, nominee in this category for good morning because Pete Davidson is overall overrated. I think mainly he was on SNL for seven years. I didn't think he was especially funny on that show. He was occasionally funny on the weekend update segments, but he kind of half asked it in his seven years on SNL. I can't exactly say the same thing about his movies because with the exception of Marmaduke, the, mo- the movie of his that I've actually seen, some of the other movies he's been in, like Bodies, 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 he actually wasn't bad. He didn't seem to half-ass it like he did on SNL. He didn't actually want to be there. But at the same time, I have not seen Good Morning. It's a movie that's on my list, and I, I kind of want to see it, but I have the feeling that I'm going to have to pay money to see it, and I really don't want to pay money to see it. But maybe being an honest moviegoer, Maybe I should, but as for the two supporting actors in Blonde and the other supporting actor, Maud's son in Good Morning, I can't exactly make a prediction here because I haven't seen either Blonde or Good Morning. So those are my takes on the cat on the nominees for Worst Supporting Actor at the Golden Raspberry Awards. Welcome back to Words on Film, the spoken word show dedicated to moving pictures. I am your host and movie critic, Dan Burke. And it actually came to my attention. It seemed like as I was going through the Golden Raspberry Award nomination that there seemed to be fewer nominees in a certain category than um, previous years. And it actually turns out that there are award categories that have been retired. And I'm, I'm very interested to see... Um, why uh, these these categories have been retired, but apparently there have been a category like worst original song, which was um, which was a category from 1980 to 1999, and once again in 2002. And I don't know why exactly they retired that category, but I was thinking to myself, there was one movie that I saw. Earlier this year, it was actually around Valentine's Day, and yeah, I did see it with my girlfriend. It was a movie starring Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson that was called Marry Me, and there was a song that Jennifer Lopez sang in her sort of uh, pseudo-vicarious on-screen persona in this film, and it was a song that was called um, Church. And it was a song that said, your love is like church. And it had on, it was performed on stage in the movie. And there were these scantily clad dancers who had these nun habits that they were wearing on the top half of their costumes. Yeah. The song is called church. And it's one of those songs that I think 
that was written for Jennifer Lopez and she originally recorded it, but her management team said, do not put this song out or else the Vatican will campaign against you. But they put it in this movie instead. I thought the movie was, I, I thought the movie was actually pretty decent. I mean, it was, it was a relatively predictable romantic comedy that had its charm and Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson worked well off each other, but man, that song church should have been nominated because when I'm thinking about, you know, being with my girlfriend, whether it's going to the movies or doing other things, Yeah, the last thing I want to think about is church. And I don't want to say things like, your love makes me say hallelujah, which is actually one of the lyrics in this song. So I think that was a golden opportunity that the Golden Raspberries missed. But then again, that's only one bad song I could think of out of the year 2022. And I haven't seen every single movie that's come out in 2022, but I was hoping, hoping that the Golden Raspberries would nominate Worst Original Song. The other categories that they have since retired has been Worst New Star, which they've had from 1981 to 1998. They didn't have it in 1989 for some reason. But I can't think of a person who would be considered the Worst New Star, except maybe Machine Gun Kelly, but as but he's a Worst New Movie Star, I suppose. Worst musical score, I don't think people pay that much attention, plus that category was retired in 1985. Worst visual effects was only for two years, 1986 and 1987. They should bring that category back because there are some really bad movies that have really bad visual effects. Uh, They do have Worst Screen Couple, which they had from 1994 to 2009. And I guess Worst Screen Combo is kind of compensating for Worst Screen Couple. They also had a a combination category, Worst Screen Couple and Worst Screen Ensemble. They should bring back the Worst Screen Ensemble because I thought that Judd Apatow's The Bubble would have been a shoe-in for that category. And for what it sounds like, Good Morning also might have been a a shoe-in for that category as well. And they also had some special categories over the years. For example, they had, um, in 1996, they had Worst Written Film Grossing Over $100 Million Dollars. They should really bring that category back. But then again, I think nowadays there are only a handful of films given the state of the movie industry and of movie theaters that gross a hundred million dollars or more these days. But just in case you were curious, uh, worst written film grossing over $100 million. The winner in that year was Twister, which was written by Michael Crichton and Anne Marie Martin. The nominees that year were The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Independence Day, Mission Impossible, and A Time to Kill. I think putting A Time to Kill in that category was the probably not the best decision because A Time to Kill wasn't a perfect film, but I did think there were some great things about it. And it was snubbed for a few Oscars, probably first and foremost. It should have nominated Samuel L. Jackson for Best Supporting Actor, but that was a missed opportunity on the Oscars, not the Razzies. But there was also some other categories like Worst Reckless Disregard for Human Life and Public Property, Con Air won that category in 1997. (laughs) Um, 1998 was Worst Movie Trends of the Year. 
And that trend actually kind of makes me laugh because it's 58 year old leading men wooing 28 year old leading ladies. I think that's speaking primarily of the movie as good as it gets. And that is a very good point there. Um, the other nominees for that category, mer- worst movie trends of the year, this was back in 1997, 1998, was uh, trailers that give away the film's entire plot. Man, some things have not changed in 25 years. Longer movies, shorter plots. I don't know if that's exactly true. THX deafening audio. I don't think people really have a problem with that. Mega zillion dollar cross-promotional overkill, and the examples they list are Armageddon and Godzilla, and I think that's kind of eased up since the late 1990s, but yeah, worst movie trends of the year, that could be a category that the Golden Raspberries could eventually bring back. And they also had another category, which I couldn't find the nominees for. And this is a category that they've had since 2014, and it's called the Razzie Redeemer Award. But I can't exactly find the nominees for that category, nor can I really think of any directors, actors, or filmmakers in general who should be nominated for that category. Just off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything, but I guess that's another story for another time. But for this show, I went over the semi best films of the year and semi worst films of the year. In other words, it's not the films that I thought were the best and worst of the year necessarily, but the ones that were nominated for Oscars and Razzies. It's a show I look forward to doing every year, and I'm going to do sort of a sequel to this episode later on this year, specifically around March 11th, 2023. And the reason I'm doing it that date is because that is the day of the Golden Raspberry Awards and the day before this year's Academy Awards. By that time, I will have watched more movies for you and will probably get a better idea of who should win, who will win, and Also, maybe even who shouldn't have been nominated. I'll give you a much clearer picture on that on that future show. Well, that's all the time I have for this episode of Words on Film. I always love talking about movies, and I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please subscribe and rate the show and leave comments if you can. I would love to get your feedback, even if it's more criticism than praise. This has been Words on Film. I'm Dan Burke, and until my next episode, I'll see you at the movies.